and welcome back to Grace Talks, a Christian's women's podcast that studies the Bible, the women in it, and applies it to our lives today. You didn't think I'd be missing a May devotional, did you? Nope. Even though I just finished the script for this last night and uh, scheduled out the blog last night, God has a topic on my heart for the month of May. So for this month's devotional, we're going to be diving into a story about healing and a hopeless situation, stepping into freedom and the need to choose how you live and who you serve. And you know, what's funny is that I actually had two different topics that I wanted to do. And after I chose this one, an invitation to be made whole, I knew immediately what Bible story I was going to be drawing from and what main verse drew me towards it because I've been dwelling on it a lot. But as I read over the passage, which I had just been reading multiple times in the last month, I realized that the end of the story includes the second topic that was on my heart to bring up. So talk about a Holy Spirit setup. So I'm excited to get into this because I just know it's going to be good if God was pointing me to these topics and stories and verses without me even really realizing their correlations. So let's just dive into today's story and we're going to read the whole thing first and then break it down. So go ahead and open your Bibles to John chapter five, verses one through 14. It reads like this. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was for Jesus had slipped into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Now we've read the whole passage. Let's slow down and learn what it's teaching us in this moment. It says that Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. There's a few different educated guesses about which festival this was, most popular being Purim, Tabernacles, and Passover. Purim is connected to our girl Esther, if you remember us talking about that during the Queen Esther podcast episodes, and God's deliverance of the Jews from their enemies. Tabernacles was the harvest holiday, and it is the only Jewish festival that I've read that was commonly referred to as the festival in the Bible. And then Passover is more commonly known. You are probably more familiar with it. It celebrated Israel's exodus from Egypt and the night when the Lord's angel passed over the Jews because of the blood of the lamb. But John, the author of the gospel, didn't see it important to specify which festival. So I'm not too worried about specifying it either. So either way, Jesus is going to Jerusalem for this festival. And he comes across this place with a pool referred to as Bethesda. 
there a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. They gather under and around those porches that it mentions because it provided spaces protected from a bit of the weather. And these disabled people would gather to wait for the moving of the waters. Tradition said that from time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. So the first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they had. That was the superstition and the tradition of the pool. So also fun fact, the site of this pool was discovered in 1888. Prior to this, scholars did not think that the pools of Bethesda even existed. So just a friendly reminder that the Bible is whole and perfect truth. We don't have proof for everything, but logic always confirms faith. So if you've ever doubted the legitimacy of the Bible or anything like that, I really encourage you to do your own research. Dig into the word and everything that confuses you. Compare it to history and research and science and watch how everything matches up. You'll find that something written thousands of years ago confirms so much about what we've discovered and learned today. Whatever you can find that isn't clear to you and doesn't make sense is just an invitation to get to know more of God's character and to get to grow closer to him. Now back to Bethesda. Specifically, we're already starting off with some interesting language context. Bethesda in Hebrew can mean house of mercy or house of grace. In Hebrew, it could also mean shame or disgrace. When I first learned that, my mind was blown a bit because, I mean, those are super opposite definitions. And, you know, there's something about that that just sticks out to me. How many of us gather around something that we think is going to heal us or make us happy or produce satisfaction of some kind? I think that depending on what or who we choose to gather around and with who we're gathering around, we're either placing ourselves in a pool of shame and disgrace or replacing ourselves in a house of mercy and grace. But that difference takes meeting Jesus. So at that pool was a man who'd been an invalid for 38 years. He couldn't walk for 38 years. And Jesus approaches him with what seems like a really odd question. Do you want to get well? Now, the Greek word for well here also means healthy, sound, or whole. Jesus is asking this man who has been gathering at a pool known for its supposed healing powers if he wants to be made well or whole. What a weird question to ask. Could you imagine walking up to someone in a hospital and asking them if they want to get well? It just doesn't seem to make sense. But the man's response to Jesus's question tells us why Jesus asked it. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. But Jesus didn't ask him why he had not been healed yet. Jesus didn't ask him why he could not walk. Jesus asked him if he wanted to be made well, if he wanted to be made whole. But this man is so wrapped up in his past experiences and the obstacles that are in his way, he wasn't even hopeful of healing. If anything, his habit seemed to just be to complain about the circumstances. And this is where I really want you to kind of focus your faith for a second. If you're walking around right now, zoning out a bit or driving or multitasking, or whatever, zero in on my thought process here. In hindsight, you can place yourself in this man's sandals, if he had any sandals, and say, of course, I want to be healed. And of course, you'd say that. You know that it's Jesus. 
in person and he's been performing miracles and healing others and life will be so much better when you can stand up and walk and feel like a whole human being. So yes, Jesus, I want to be whole. But what about you now? What in your life has made you feel like you're just barely treading the surface and you think that any day now you'll drown? And you've been thinking that exact thought for like five months at this point. Or what aspect of your future or finances has your anxiety in a chokehold? What health problems has been eating away at your joy? Fatigue, depression, chronic illness, pain, physical illness, PTSD from trauma. What sins have you allowed into your life that at this point you don't even know how to uproot it? Jesus is approaching you and he is well aware of your condition. Hebrews 4.13 says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Matthew 10.30, and even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. 1 Samuel 16.7 says that the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 1 John 3.20 says, if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. There is nothing hidden from him. He sees your struggles. He knows you down to the number of hairs on your head and tears that you've cried. He knows your pain. He knows your trials. He knows the sins that you try to keep separate from your faith. He knows the burdens you try to shoulder on your own. And he knows everything that is painfully and spiritually crippling you. And he is asking you, do you want to be made whole? Are you going to respond to him with your list of obstacles? Are you going to tell him about the past that he is already well aware of and well familiar with? Then Jesus said to the man who only gave him his reasons for not being whole, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. Jesus essentially is saying that it doesn't matter that others haven't helped you. It doesn't matter that you aren't going to get what you want to be taken to the center of that pool in this guy's case. Do you want to be made whole? Then get up. And right away, at once, he was made well, cured. He picked up his mat and he walked for the first time in 38 years years. Are you done with gathering around a pool of despair and vague hope that one day you'll be happy? That when you reach this milestone, you'll be content there? That one day when you get a grip on your self-control, you'll feel clean enough to approach God? Holy Spirit is so close and longing for the opportunity to work in your life. Do you want to be made whole? Then get up oh, I'm sorry, you've been struggling with that sin for more than a decade because when you were 10, you were introduced to pornography. My bad, <laughs> I forgot that if you've struggled with something over like six years, there's no hope. That's like the limit. Oh, and I forgot, once you have over like so many tens of thousand dollars in debt, it's out of God's hands. He really can't help you or provide there. You might as well just stay down by the pool. No, <laughs> there's not an excuse that you can present to God that disqualifies you from healing. Jesus paid the price 2,000 
years ago, and you are not the only person in 2,000 years to struggle with trials or poverty or pain or sin. 1 Peter 2.24 said, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. You have been made whole. So no more acting like a spiritual invalid. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. That means that you have to get up and step towards freedom, but you don't have to do it alone. His Holy Spirit is the hand helping you up, the light guiding your path, the wings providing you rest and refuge. Biblically, that's all backed up in the Psalms alone. Psalm 42 says, he lifted me out of the slimy pit and out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light to my path. Psalms 91, 4, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings, you will find refuge. You have to step into your authority as a child of God and you have to step up as a light to others. That means that when you face adversity, pain, and trials, you respond to Jesus's invitation with, yes, I want you to make me well. I want to be whole because of you. That's not something that comes easily to me. It's just not. But my God has extended his hand and has offered to be made new each day. So in that process, I just have to get up. I can't make excuses or complain about my circumstances. That's that, that won't heal me, but I can pick up my mat. I can walk. I can open my Bible and my heart and pray to God in the middle of uncertainty or pain or guilt or shame. And so can you. And so could the man who suffered 38 years before Jesus came and told him to pick up his mat and walk. Now, Jesus healed him on the Sabbath, the day that they're supposed to rest. The Jewish leaders of the law had added a lot of extra rules to follow in their human interpretations of God's law. And one of those things they deemed unlawful was to carry your mat on the Sabbath. And another was no physician should be healing on the Sabbath, except in cases of life or death. So they see this man and instead of going, wow, you've been healed. What a miracle. And I mean, that's assuming if they knew he'd been an invalid, which they should have, if they were taking care of the needy as God called them to, but you know. But instead of saying, wow, it's a miracle, you're healed. They say, it's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. And then after they're mad at Jesus for healing on a Sabbath, humans can be so blind sometimes. But this healed man replies, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? You know, who is this man who asked you to? sin, so-called sin. The man who was healed had no idea who it was because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd. I mean, he didn't even know Jesus's name. But when you encounter God, when you are healed, you follow the one who healed you, even before that understanding is there. Once you've been healed, you don't just kind of continue doing what you were doing before. You listen to the one who changed your circumstances, the one who changed your life, in our case, eternal life. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Jesus made him well. If 
if this man wanted to avoid the same circumstances or worse consequences, that was Jesus's last set of instructions. And it's, it's instructions out of love. He says, stop sinning. The gospel message is about the love that God has for us. It is about how Jesus was perfect in a way that we could never be in this life. It's about an innocent man who was God, who came down as a man, who laid down his life in place for ours. But the gospel doesn't end at salvation. Yes, we are saved when we accept Jesus into our lives. But if you want to avoid the same circumstances or worse consequences, Jesus told us what to do, and that was to stop sinning. Now, is that possible? I mean, not completely, no. But we're not supposed to sit down and defeat that we cannot be perfect. I'll bring back my old saying of the importance of progress over perfection. But really, it's just about getting up every time you fall. Proverbs 24, 16 says, for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. Pieces of Romans chapter six gives me this wisdom. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. What benefit did you reap at the time from the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Galatians 5.1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. So before I pray for us, what are you going to do with this invitation? How are you going to respond? Because your response determines whether you stay by the pools of Bethesda, a cripple in spirit, or you get up and walk into the house of mercy, grace, and freedom, and eternal life. Do you want to be made whole? Dear Heavenly Father, we reach out to you in this time of prayer as we think about this invitation that you've extended to us. Jesus, this question that you asked this man 2,000 years ago, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? Lord, I feel you reaching out and asking this question to us now. God, I pray for the people listening that they lean into this question that you ask and they ask and search in their hearts for their answer. Lord, help us to not present excuses to you. Lord, help us to not come burdened with our baggage and our past lives or the shame that follows past choices or current sins. God, I pray that you knock down the wall of insecurity between you and your children. 
Lord, help us to approach you. Help us to come close and draw near and take your hand that you have extended to us. Lord, I want to be made whole. God, I want your people to be made whole. There will come a time when we have new bodies. We will live in a new heaven and new earth where we do not have to struggle in the same ways that we do now. But God, help us to glorify you that while we live on this earth, we trust in you. We look to you to make us whole, to heal us, to give us satisfaction. God, help us to have the trust and dig into the authority that you blessed us with to reach out to the Holy Spirit, to call on Jesus' name, to give us strength, to give us discipline, to turn our lives away from the, circum the circumstances that we are in now so that we can race into the future that you have marked out for us so that we can live out the purposes that you have created us for in this exact moment in time. God, there is not a single person here, Jesus. There is not a single person listening to this that you do not have a unique purpose for, that you do not love so deeply. God, I pray that you give them the confidence, God, the confidence to reach out and cling to you in the middle of everything, of everything that happens to them and everything that they do to themselves, that they've done to themselves. God, help that be in the past. Lord, let this be the moment that you tell us to get up and we get up. Help this be the moment that we learn how to stand on shaky legs of faith and reach out towards you and follow you and step towards you. God, out of love, you found that man and you approached him and you said, you are made well. Stop sinning so that worse consequences do not reach you. God, you warn us in love. You have a better way for us. Your laws are not just gatekeeping pleasures of this world, Lord. You're not blocking us from our heart's desires. You are protecting us and guiding us towards something better, towards something more fulfilling. And God, that's your presence. That's being able to approach you and beginning to live out our eternal lives now. Jesus, thank you for making your sacrifice, for living out the life that we never could so that we have the opportunity to accept salvation, to live in your blessings and your goodness and to experience intimacy with the Father through you. Jesus, thank you for leaving us with your Holy Spirit, God, so that we have a guiding light and that we have the opportunity to be able to live life in the same power that you did. God, help us to grip onto that and to become the people that you know we are capable of being with your help and with your mercy and with your grace. Help us enter into your house of mercy and grace and freedom. Help us walk out in freedom. Help us be a light to others that they say, how, why? And we can tell them who. God, we love you and we thank you for everything that you do for us. And it's in your name we pray, and it's in your name that we can live out your promises. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, and as for additional readings, we've got Leviticus 26, 13, Isaiah 61, 1, Romans 5 through 6, 
1 Corinthians 6, 12, 2 Corinthians 3, 17, Galatians chapter 5, Ephesians 2, 8, and 1 Peter 2, verses 16 through 17. So thank you for joining in as God is teaching me new things. Feel free to reach out on any of my social media platforms if you have questions, want to talk, or have a prayer request. And just remember that God loves you. I love you. You are important. You have worth, and you have a purpose. I'm signing off. I'll see you next time.